Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles. And today we have lots to talk about. iOS 17.1 Beta 3 came out, but still no journal app. We're going to talk about some iPhone cases, home screen widgets. Wes has a great roundup about how to shoot ProRes video with external SSDs and that entire setup. Some iOS 17 follow-up news. This episode is brought to you by Notion AI, Masterclass, and ZocDoc. And for all of you that support the show directly, thank you for that. And to discuss all of this is my friend Wes Hilliard. How's it going, Wes? It's going fine, Stephen. Excited to be here talking to you. Yes. Over a Mac, making me use a Mac today. Terrible. Listen, Wes, Wes tried to do the thing. He tried to do it all from an iPad today. It just was, it wasn't working out. We're going to get it, though. I want to be able to do it from the iPad. Yeah. No Mac required. And uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll try and work it out. But we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. You know, there wasn't a lot of Apple news, but there's a lot going on. Lots of follow-up across the different iOS 17, macOS Sonoma, and iPhone 15. So we'll talk about it all. I just wanted to mention quickly, like I did in the opening, iOS 17.1 Beta 3 came out. Not really much changes. And I think the biggest omission is the journal app, which you and I, and you specifically, waxed poetically about. Even before WWDC, we talked about Apple making a journal app, and then they actually announced it, and it's very exciting. Still, no journal app in sight, not in the betas. When do you think it's coming, Wes? Do we have to wait till next year? No, 17.2, and it really depends on how quickly they want to roll that one out, but I'm guessing November. They they tend to do these early updates uh, every month, so yeah, 17.1 anytime now. Going to probably see an RC uh, the week you hear this podcast. We'll probably see the release before the end of the month because everything that is being announced for this update is saying released in October, so there's only so much October left to go. That's true. October is quickly going away. We're basically halfway through the month, so all right, so we'll see new betas or release candidates of course stay tuned for that also want to mention briefly iphone cases i'm currently holding one, two, three, four, five. i'm holding seven different iphone cases right now since the fine woven debacle or fiasco whatever you want to call it some people i've seen a couple of people on the internet actually like fine woven so it's not universally hated you know there are some people out there who like it but people who really want a leather alternative uh, i've been trying to test different phone cases it's been interesting to see the makers about the action button, whether they included one or not, or a cutout, everyone trying to then quickly backtrack. And I think we talked about it either on the last episode or the one before, but Peak Design, I actually ordered their case. It's not a leather case. It's more of a fine woven style material, but nicer. <laughs> their their case is pretty cool because they have their entire like mounting ecosystem with the Peak Design cases and the tripod mounts bicycle mounts don't you use the bicycle one right no i don't use peak design i'll use it which one i'm not a fan of having a hole in the back of my case i feel like my finger will just constantly find it and fidget with it oh what did do you use a bike mount i do have a bike mount it is incredibly stupid but i enjoy it it's great it's magsafe right right but it's held in place by rubber bands that you wrap around the top and bottom of the phone So when you hit a very steep bump, right, right. the phone will actually completely dislodge from the MagSafe mount and be grabbed by the rubber bands and launched back into the MagSafe mount. It's really Listen, great. I love it. <laughs> I'm all about redundancy. And that's what that is. It's you know, rubber bands and MagSafe. Yeah, MagSafe by itself will not, I mean, do not just buy a MagSafe thing and stick it to your bike. It will not hold no, your no, phone. No. But the, it, I make it sound worse than it is. It is actually very well done. And as long as the as long as long the rubber bands are wrapped around correctly, it, it's been fine so far. I've never had my phone just fly off the bike. Well, I've had people talk to me about the Peak Design bike mount, and it seems more secure 
here, but that square on the back of the Peak Design cases is for their bespoke mount, which is both a combination of magnet and these little plastic clips. Redundancy, like I said. It's it's absolutely more secure because like you just said, it, it has a literal thing that you're mounting it to and securing right. it in place. Like it, it's a locking mechanism. But the other reason why I wanted to try the Peak Design case for the iPhone 15 Pro Max is the little loop on the back because now that I have a big phone, a big boy phone. I like the loops and the holders now. I'm not a pop socket guy. I'm not doing a pop socket, but I like the loops. I have an ESR Halo Lock MagSafe wallet, which also has a loop and also as a stand. But the Peak Design case has this little loop built in. I was a little skeptical at first, but I wanted to try it. Turns out I really like the case because A, it's one of the thinnest cases of the different ones that I've been trying. I like the little, they didn't send me this either. I bought this case. Um, the little loop is actually really nice uh, because it allows me to hold the phone with one hand and my pinky is not going to fall off. As mentioned previously, they did a cutout for the action button because they were playing the both sides. Maybe it'll be a switch. Maybe it'll be a button. But their replacement case program, I just, again, want to give them a shout out. I got my case. It has a cutout. I want a button instead of a cutout. And they give you multiple options. You can choose the button replacement kit, just store credit if you want to keep the case with a cutout and just get credit. Or you just request another case and they're going to send you one for free with an action button. And so that's just customer service. And I'm curious what other case makers that did a cutout will also do the same kind of program. Looking at you, Belroy, Ondar is redoing their case with a button. I don't know what kind of program they'll have, but I'm curious. I know you're a caseless guy, right? You don't you do not do a case at all. Kind of weird. I converted to using cases some of the time. Uh, every now and then oh, I'll just okay. go caseless because I enjoy the feel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but last year I discovered uh, Pitaka and their um, Aramid fiber cases, which are really lightweight, but very protective and sturdy. And as I mentioned before, MagSafe works a lot better when you have a case on your phone. It's just that extra yeah. magnets are usually closer to the surface. It's just got a tighter grip. And some case makers actually put in even stronger magnets in right. the case than like what the iPhone offers. So you just get that much more hold. I especially like using a case when I'm biking because again, MagSafe mount on a uh, very perilous right. rubber band. Uh, <laughs> But <laughs> contraption, <laughs> right? So I, I actually purchased two cases this cycle. One I oh. have no intention of using, but I had to buy it because it was it was just fun. And another one I actually have been using as my daily wear case. I just put an image of it in the show notes. Yeah, Pitaka. So Pitaka has last year I used their like just regular thin case it has the nothing on the bottom, nothing on the side, so you can get to the buttons and the port and stuff. This one is a actually a full wrap case that goes around the edges. The buttons are this like plasticky metal material. I don't know what it's made from, but they're actually very nice to press, very easy around every button. It wraps the bottom. As I've, I have mentioned on Mastodon, some people said it was uh, indecent to mark it not safe for work, but I put a rubber plug in my USB C port that is not an innuendo you literally did that. i literally did that i'm not joking because i don't use the port so i was just like you know what Wes. so so <laughs> you literally put a plug absolutely in the usb-c port I, I, I mean it's you know it's a vector for dust it's a you know wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute you never want to fast charge your phone i just have no reason to why do i need to do that i can take the plug out if i really want to i mean it's just no, a little no, rubber. i know i know 
I mean, so okay, examples of when I would take it out. I'm going to be testing a backbone controller with USB in it right. soon, so obviously I'll need the port for that. It was just like an idea, like you know what? I never use this port anyway. I I think I used the port on my iPhone 14 once. Sure the entire time i had it so why not and, and no i mean i just don't have any cables around anywhere so like in my car my house in my room like it's all magsafe so right. the occasion for me to actually plug in the phone is very minimal so i just figured wow. why even have a port at all <laughs> just eliminate it i didn't super glue it in there steven that's that listen that's dedication well i'll put links to some of these cases in the show notes listeners let me know if there's a case that you love especially leather you know, everyone's looking for leather third-party cases now that Apple is not doing leather. So curious what you guys have found. I don't know if I showed you this one, um, but I had to get this just on principle. They had a Bondi Blue uh, iPhone case, and I was just like, you know what? I need to have this. And it's it's oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's fun, it's simple, but I'll never use it. It's it's that rubbery material. I can't hold that <laughs> all day. So <laughs> and a lot of oh yeah, that Bondi Blue case looks pretty cool. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I'll tell you what, you know, typically, you know, I do all the chapters. I do custom chapter art. I'm going to do multiple chapters for these different cases so you guys can all see uh, the pictures of the cases we're talking about. So if you're listening in a podcast app that supports chapter artwork, which I recently found out Spotify does not. Spotify will not show you the individual chapters artwork. So not telling you you have to switch podcast apps, but literally Overcast, Pocket Cast, Apple Podcasts, they all support chapter artwork. And so I'm going to have multiple chapters for all the cases we're talking about because I want you all to to witness these cases we're talking about. Yeah. By the way, it's Spygen. Spygen's the one who made the Bondi Blue case, yes. This last case I want to talk about, but a lot of people mentioned the Blackbrook case. And I got one of these. And I just have to say, it is one of the most opinionated case designs. There is a cutout for everything. So there's no bottom which some people like the no bottom lip of their cases. There's a literal like notch in the phone for the sleep button. And then another huge notch, like not an individual notch for each button, but just a huge chunk taken out of the case for the action button and the volume buttons. Like this case is, it's like pieced together. Now the material is a kind of leather, I don't know exactly what kind of leather it is right now. I'm not going to look it up, but it is a very opinionated designed case. And like kudos to Blackbrook. I mean, there's a bunch of people that really love the cases they're making, but I was just like, wow, this is, this is a case. I enjoy a good leather case. Uh, I, yeah. I tend to go nomad if I'm buying a leather case. Just, yeah, you know, right now the Pitak has got it. I think that they've yeah. done a good job. I've been interested in peak before, like you've mentioned, but I just can't get over the fact that it has a hole in it. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fine. Yeah. People can't get over that. It's totally fine. Uh, so yeah, let us know what, what cases you're using. Now, I want to talk about the iPhone 15 camera, mainly the 15 Pro and Pro Max camera stuff. I mentioned the 5X camera experience I had last week, but there's a couple things. We're going to get to an iPhone rig roundup, but testing like external SSDs to record ProRes and then connecting external microphones. So I want to get to that in a second. I just want to mention I was shooting a couple videos in ProRes on the iPhone. I did it directly internally because I didn't bring an SSD with me on my trip uh, that I was on last week. But I recorded in HDR a couple times. So I was doing ProRes 4K30 in HDR. I did two videos like that. I recorded the A-roll and a bunch of B-roll in the HDR. I had not really worked with HDR footage before as far as like in Final Cut and actually making an HDR video from beginning to end. And then let me just say like it is a bit of a learning curve, you know, creating a Final Cut library that is 
HDR. Again, I don't even know all the, all the terms like, like rec 2020, all this kind of stuff. And so did all that and I did figure it out and I've published two videos in HDR to YouTube and it actually worked. They're actually HDR videos, uh, but it is definitely quite a workflow. And it's also not really super compatible with my mirrorless cameras that are not shooting HDR. So what I have done, and I feel like this year of all years, there are many, many settings for your camera, especially if you have an iPhone 15 Pro and Pro Max. And so when it comes to video, and photos, you know, you could, there's a bunch of different formats and stuff like that. I'm trying to go to my camera settings here, but uh, I have my record video at 4k 30. And for formats, I do the, the high efficiency for photo mode. I do 24 megapixels. Cause I do want that for the pro raw. I do the pro raw max because if I'm going to do a pro raw photo, I want the 48 megapixel as high resolution. It does take a while to save those photos. So just keep in mind, if you're trying to shoot quickly, maybe don't do the pro raw max. But when it comes to video capture, I'm doing ProRes, but I'm actually not going to do HDR. If I'm going to do ProRes recording, I'm actually going to do SDR. I might try Log. There's a lot of LUTs out right now from filmmakers, specifically for the iPhone Log, to make it look really good. And so I might do Log to try that out. But I'm actually going to shoot SDR, non-HDR video, when I do ProRes, just so more flexibility with my other cameras and that whole workflows is kind of a pain. And I don't know, I don't know if people feel like it's a big benefit to have HDR videos. If they're watching on YouTube, I'd be curious what our listeners experience is, but do you ever like feel that or, or like when you're watching YouTube videos, Wes, or sometimes even scrolling certain social media, like Instagram, like you'll know when the, there's an HDR video in the Instagram feed because the entire interface dims and then the video is then super bright. And it does that because it's trying not to blind you because the HDR video is extremely bright. And if all the whites in the UI around the video were to stay as white as they normally are, it would just be very, very bright. But I don't know. How do you feel when you come across HDR video content or, or do you? Well, it's very noticeable. I mean, I, I I see it mostly in like when you're when you're scrolling, yeah, you it just come across it. And if you pause to let the video play, it takes over the screen. And right. I think it's just a, a smart way of doing it. And it's especially noticeable on something like the on many LED displays where it's able to properly dim around the video right. without any halo effect. But I mean, I don't mind. I, it's fine. It's cool that we have this uh, technology. I, it is a little distracting, I guess, or if you're not just seeking to watch a video by itself. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I'd be curious, listener experience, uh, how you feel about HDR video in general. Is it worth it? Like, do you feel like it's actually makes a big difference? I know one person commented on one of my videos and they were like, yeah, I watched it on my HDR TV and it looked amazing. And I was like, okay, well. I'm not a huge video person. I'm trying to capture more as I go along. I was playing around with my camera the other day and there's just a lot of very loud birds <laughs> that live in my yard. Nice. And I'm always looking, I'm always looking for them they, they they do a very good job of hiding but you can hear them and there's this uh like a um, mockingbird singing somewhere nearby finally found it and used my camera to punch in and it, when you're doing video you can only punch in a 15x not all the way to 25x right I, I was actually pretty happy with the video that came out of it i just recorded this short like 20 second video of this silly bird audio punched through the microphone clean and crisp even though i was away from the bird i mean it, the beam forming microphones 
when you're pointing the camera at a subject, it's basically saying, I want the audio from this direction. So I'm not really getting any wind or anything like that. And even though it was 15X, technically what you would call a, a three three times digital crop on a 5X lens, right? Quality wasn't, it's not usable. I'm not gonna put this on my TV and watch it or anything, but it was visible. I could tell it was a bird. I mean, if you if you if anyone here has an older iPhone, go zoom in as far as you can on the, uh, when recording video, and just see what you get out of it. And it's usually a blurry, like pixelated mess, but image stabilization, while I was handheld, zoomed all the way in, audio and picture came through decent. And uh, I just I just find it incredible, like what Apple's doing here to make this a usable experience anyway. For sure, it, it looks good. It's been amazing just to see the photos and videos that are being captured on the 15 Pro Max. This episode is brought to you by Notion AI. Guys, I've used Notion for a long time. It helps me organize all of my thoughts and my projects. I use it for podcast planning, for video planning, really just for life planning. Anything that I'm thinking about trying to research is a great tool for collecting that kind of research. I do it all in Notion. And what makes that even more powerful is you now have access to Notion AI. It's an incredible AI tool built right into Notion that you can then invoke on any piece of text or anything you're writing in all of your Notion docs and notes. Notion AI helps you work faster, write better, and think bigger, doing tasks that normally take you hours in just seconds. I love Notion AI not only for idea generations, for if you need question ideas for an interview guest on a podcast, or maybe you need topic ideas for your podcast or video, Notion can help generate those ideas for you. And maybe you have some ideas to start with. Maybe you've given Notion a few bullet points, three to five bullet points. You can ask Notion AI to make those bullet points into a script for the introduction of your video, or even expand those bullet points into a blog post or social media posts. I also love taking transcripts from things I've recorded, whether it's a video or a podcast, bring some of that transcript into Notion AI, and then I can ask it to make that transcript into whatever I want. I can have it make a blog post, also social media posts to promote that particular podcast episode or video. Notion AI is just incredibly powerful and it's so easy to use. You just select the text in any Notion document you have and a little ask AI button appears and you can ask it to do whatever. And I appreciate Notion AI actually gives you prompts. So if you're not used to using AI tools or you're not sure how to work the prompts, Notion AI will help you along the process. It will suggest things to do. It can say, I can change the tone of this, make it sound more casual or more business-like. And it's also great at summarizing meeting notes or summarizing a transcript you give it. I just love everything about it. It streamlines my workflow and allows me to do way more in less time. Notion AI can improve writing, summarize pages, find action items, translate into any language, which is really cool, and more. So you can try Notion AI for free when you go to notion.com slash Apple Insider. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash Apple Insider to try out the incredible power of Notion AI today. And when you use our link, you're supporting the Apple Insider podcast. Try Notion AI for free right now at notion.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to Notion for sponsoring this episode. One of the big things with the USB-C port was recording to external SSDs and ProRes. And so we've talked about this on past episodes, but to kind of maybe bring it to a conclusion and actually say what is possible with what devices. When I tested a lot of this, I tested it with two different USB-C hubs, one being an Anchor USB-C hub. And recording to an external SSD, it worked. I did find that I recorded 30 minutes of A-roll and I did see a few dropped frames after the 15 minute mark. That was with a Samsung T7 SSD with going through the hub because the hub is also charging the iPhone. 
And for some reason, I could not get an external microphone like my Rode Wireless Go 2 to be recognized at the same time as the external SSD for that uh, external recording of ProRes video. We'll put the link in the show notes so you guys can check it out. But it does appear that you can, using certain USB-C hubs, and those are the ones we've specified in the article, that you can record to an external SSD, ProRes, 4K30, 4K60, and use an external microphone for audio all through these hubs, and it all works. I've also seen other creators on YouTube do like SD card reader style recording, and they've recorded directly to those SD cards, and they've been able to do 4K24, 4K30, and that has worked. And I've seen a lot of like hacky, here are these, like, you know, double 90 degree angle little plugs for USB C to go to an SSD and you can like mount it with MagSafe on the back of your phone or your case. Like there's lots of things out there where people are hacking together. Uh, But again, I'll say that this article specifies a bunch of things, many of them like docs, which I feel like would not be as maybe useful in the field per se, but what is a setup that you would recommend if someone really wants to go all out filming with their iPhone? I would just definitely say the the key here is know your use case, know what you're doing before you go out and buy a bunch of stuff. Are you going to be stationary with a tripod? Are you trying to be mobile? And just keep in mind, Thunderbolt is not your friend here. Even though it's a USB-C port, Thunderbolt hubs tend to require these power supplies that are larger than the dock itself and uh they're in, they're just it's madness the the key is USB-C hub 3.2 gen 2 which means 10 gigabits per second so that needs to be the out, absolute output rating and you need cables capable of providing that connection a lot of USB-C cables are just power maybe USB 2.0 you can't just grab random cables out of your drawer and expect everything to work. If one cable is wrong, be it the cable from the SSD to the dock or the dock to the phone, what have you, it's not going to work out. And then that's how you get dropped frames, especially right. if, if your cable is five gigs per second instead of 10 gigs per second, that's how you're going to run into issues. Third thing, and probably the most important, honestly, is the dock needs to be powered. The iPhone is not going to be able to provide enough wattage to power the dock the connected SSD, your phone is not going to be powerful enough to power the dock, the SSD, and the microphone. And that's the issue like Steven and others have run into where they're like, it just doesn't work. Well, something needs to be powering that dock. So if you're portable, you're going to want a giant power brick that can output. And most of these these days are pretty good about it. At least 30 watts or so uh, should get the job done. Depends on the dock. I've tested the Stego by 12 South, which I'm not even sure if they make that anymore. I think they make a Stego Mini now, but same concept. And that one works with 30 watts fine. Mm -hmm. A lot of batteries these days can go up to 60 watts or even 100 watts, depending on the battery that you have. Just make sure you have a dedicated power source. And my recommendation would be don't try to strap everything to the, be it a tripod or uh, a cage that you're hand-holding. Don't try to strap everything to that. I mean, it, it can look cool and clever, and there there might be some rigs out there that allow you to do it, but just wear a backpack. Have a battery in one slot, the dock in the other slot, have everything wired together in there, SSD in another slot, and then the only wire that needs to be connected to the phone is one cable to the USB-C port on the back, and then there you go. You're you're done, effectively. So I'm looking at our article, and I'm trying to think, like, for my use case, I want something portable. I like this idea of, like, a built-in storage into the hub. And so I'm looking specifically at the Anchor Power Expand 4-in-1 SSD USB-C hub. This has a 256 SSD storage in the hub, which is pretty cool. It has the USB-C port uh, where you would plug into power, so you're charging everything. 
has a couple USB A ports, which I wish those were USB C, but I get it. You could still plug a USB microphone into those USB A ports. And it does have an HDMI out, which is great for monitoring the video. Will something like, will this one specifically be able to record 4K 30 ProRes to that internal SSD and not drop frames? But the little cable, I guess, that's going from the 4-in-1 hub to your phone, which is built into this hub, like you can't replace the cable. Do we think that's good enough? I don't know specifically what this one's rated for, but I mean, I know it's not <laughs> USB 2.0. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm going to get this Anchor one. I'm curious. It's $65. You get the 256 SSD storage built in at the HDMI port, the USB-A's. I think it'll work and I'm going to try it. So again, we'll put links to the article and we show all of this uh, in the article and in the show notes. It's possible. You can do it all. You can record to an external SSD in ProRes with audio from an external microphone. Like you can do it all. It is possible. And you just need like all these stars need to align <laughs> and you get all the right stuff. You have to just make sure that you have uh, the appropriate rig basically with yeah. the right cables and the right power supply. Because again, no matter which one you choose, you can't rely on the iPhone's power. That USB right. C port on this anchor one we're looking at that is for power in. You have to yes. plug it into something. You got to plug it into power. Yeah, for sure. As far as recording to an SSD without dropping frames, that has a specific uh, bandwidth limitation, and that is 220 megabytes per second. So the doc you were looking at having a 400 megabytes per second data transfer rate more than enough for recording ProRes. Well, very cool. Well, again, check out that article if you're interested in doing that. And again, we'd love to hear if anyone has experience out there shooting ProRes to an external SSD with external mics, what's been your experience and what's been working. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about software, macOS Sonoma, iOS 17. We'll spend more time on iOS 17, I think. But with macOS Sonoma, I've just been noticing it is a little buggy, actually. It's not as uh, super solid as I thought. I get weird bugs like with Touch ID, not actually registering when I need to unlock passwords and all that, I imagine it'll be fixing a 0.0 update. And then one of the big features of macOS Sonoma was widgets on the desktop. And I have to be honest, I, I have not put any on my desktop yet. I, I, the way I've run my Mac, I have a lot of windows open. And so I'm rarely seeing the desktop per se, unless I am creating a new space and putting things. If I'm recording a video, you know, I have like audio hijack and a few things in a space, but not much else, but, but I'm not uh, using the widget slot because I don't see my desktop. And I turned off that one click to expose the desktop to all windows because it was, it was happening too much inadvertently. So I've not done any widgets. I'm curious if any listeners out there are using some Mac OS widgets on their desktop and have found it very useful. But I have been using other features, which we'll get to with the iOS 17 as well. But things like the shared password groups, especially within my family, has been a, a huge boost. And so I've definitely been using that. And the mail autofill. And this was something where I posted on social media about this uh, jokingly, the can't innovate you know, with Phil Schiller. And I said, this is the mail two-factor authentication passcode. Uh, this is amazing. So up until this point, if you had two-factor codes texted to your phone, you know, your Mac and your iPhone and your iPad would give you that option to autofill those codes as you log into websites. You don't even have to go to the text message. It just automatically does it. And now it does it with mail. This is in macOS Sonoma and in iOS 17. It does seem like it's some percent of the time, not all, but you can get those auto, if you have a email sent with a two-factor code, if you're trying to log into a website, I have a couple services like this where they don't do texting, they email you the code. Well, now it'll autofill those codes via email. And I had a bunch of people say, wish I could use this, but on my phone, I use the Outlook app or I use the Gmail app. 
those are my main, that's my main email application. I don't want to switch to mail. And I totally get it. You know, maybe you use Spark, maybe use some third-party email service. That's totally fine. My suggestion, and maybe try it out, is you can still add those email accounts to the built-in iOS settings. Yes, we'll be getting mail in the background to another app. You won't be seeing it, but if you have those email accounts added to things like your iPhone or iPad, those autofill codes should pop up automatically when you're like, you're trying to sign into a website in Safari. So I understand like having your email being gathered in two different apps all the time. You might not want to do that. I totally get it. But if you really want to take advantage of this two-factor emailed codes feature in iOS 17 and macOS Sonoma, maybe think about just adding those accounts to your devices, even if you're not looking at the stock mail app from Apple. So so yeah, for me, for macOS Sonoma, I'm not really using Mac right now. So I, right. there's not even any widgets <laughs> on my home, uh, on my desktop, but it's a utility computer at this point. I'm recording a podcast from it. There's some stuff for work that I use it for, but yeah, mostly iPad these days. Uh, but iOS 17, I was asking if how many of these features you've been using and uh, yeah, no one seems to know about contact posters until you point it out. Um, I've been, I've been making people go and make their own contact <laughs> posters. Uh, Peer pressuring them into doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Or just stealing their phone and doing it for them. That's good. That's I good. have not had an opportunity to use name drop yet when i had two iphones so i had the iphone 14 before i sent it back i would be like trying to compare a feature and then name drop would or like uh, the airdrop feature where the phones got too close would start activating every time i was holding both phones yeah it's definitely very sensitive um I'm, I, I think it's going to be very handy in the future when i have to exchange a contact with somebody yeah so for the ios 17 features contact poster basically exactly the same experience as you i've been making a couple people uh do it <laughs> And of course I have done it. I think I've gotten one new contact that had it set up. And so I actually got the nice contact poster from them, but it is not a, a widespread feature. What do you think of how it's shown? I, I I really dislike how contact posters are laid out in the in, in contacts. It's it's a little odd. It's crowded. Like why are the, the over there's an overlay on top of it. So half of the image is blurred. I don't know what framing they want me to use for the person's face so I can actually see their entire face. This was actually something uh, someone on Instagram actually messaged me because they were trying to do a lock screen from one of their own photos and they found that this black gradient kept appearing at the top when they were trying to resize the image. And this happens both with contact posters and I think also with lock screens. When there's an image that's not the exact resolution or aspect ratio that name drop, contact poster, or your lock screen wants, it will basically do this gradient thing, which I understand for like legibility of the clock and lock screen wallpapers. And I know with the the contact poster, it's weird because the contact poster is used for when the recipient is getting a call from you, your contact poster shows up and like the end call, accept call name, like all that needs to be legible. And so they're doing weird things with like gradients and colors to try and make any photo you want to use work. But as you're saying, it's dis then it gets displayed weird in the contacts app. Yeah. And it's hard to really anticipate like what, how is this going? Like you do see the preview when you create your poster, how this will appear to others during a call. But I don't think a lot of people are going to spend the time getting a good photo at the right aspect ratio framed properly for it to really be aesthetically pleasing. And I think that's why people aren't doing it. Like what? I'm, I just wonder what the aspect ratio is. Like, is it 16 by nine vertical? <laughs> Not exactly. Or nine by 16? <laughs> I think it needs to be actually even taller than a nine by 16. Right. Because if you just use a straight nine by 16, it still starts putting that gradient at the top. Say you'd have a, uh, whatever long photo, unless you have a panoramic yeah. of a person's face. <laughs> 
and (laughs) you use that as your contact poster you set up their contact poster you set up their little profile icon it's all perfect right save go to the contacts app and now all you can see is their forehead because it's cropped because the the contact poster on the phone is this 9 by 16 ish thing and then in the contacts app it's a square how how are you supposed to format for that? There's no reason for you to ever be in the contacts app for more than four seconds. But if I'm in someone's contact and their posters at the top, and it's this beautiful image that we've worked on to create this yeah. great representation of this person, I don't want half of it obscured by a, their illegible name and pronouns that is now behind this background blur. And for some reason, the text is the same color as the background and you can't read anything. And then the only thing that's actually visible in the image is from their nose up because you've actually framed it like a human being and put their face in the center of the contact poster i don't know i don't know what the thinking is here but yeah it's early days it's a new feature it needs a lot of work i'm afraid they're never going to touch it again just just i, I really yeah. hope someone that the one guy over there at apple working on this is, is, is knows that this is an issue and it's not on ipad os or mac os it's it's you basically need a photo where you're like way in the distance and like 80 percent of the photo is just scenery around you <laughs> <laughs> You're just very small in the middle uh, for it to look okay in all those different places. I'm I'm gonna have to just experiment with this. I wanna I wanna see if I can find the perfect format for a contact poster. I'll, I'll get would, back to you. That would be that would be a good article. I'm just saying that would be pretty good. Then you can make like templates, like Canva templates for your name drop image. That's my next. That's gonna be my first app. I'm gonna become a developer and I'm gonna make it. a contact posters app. Yes. Someone out there should do it. I mean, even if it's That'd card hop, just somebody needs to do it. But I have a, to answer your question though. I have used name drop once, exactly once. I was at a uh, podcaster meetup, and the other guy he listens to the Apple Insider podcast, and he was like, "I've never used name drop with anybody. Can we do it?" And I was like, I've never done it either. Let's try it. And so we held our phones together and they, the name drop happened. Did it like send your social security number and home address and everything over <laughs> oh, Okay, it? well, here, here is the thing. Because it was happening so fast. I was like, I have a couple different numbers that I send to people depending on who it is and what it's about. I also have like 300 email addresses that I want to be able to right. choose which gets sent when. And it happened so fast. Like it just showed me my phone number. And then that was it. And then it happened. And then I was like, what What did I send you? Because I actually don't know what contact info I sent. And on the other person's phone, it has my name, my image, contact poster and profile image, and then just my phone number. Cool. And that was it. I mean, it didn't send my email or anything. But I then was like, well, okay, now wait a minute. I want to be able to choose what gets sent when I do this. And there's not really any way to do that. Like you can't say, send this number by default, send this email by default. Maybe send this website URL because, you know, your contact editing page in your phone, like you can put a ton of information there. And I would love to be able to pick and choose what I send for name drop, this thing that happens very quickly. And then your information is just sent in a second. So I feel like so tingling in my brain here. There's a way to do this. There's a customization and I believe it happens at the name drop. So you I, I'm gonna yes. I'm gonna have to go get I'm gonna have to go get someone's phone and, and do this. But I just um, I just tried because I have another iPhone here, okay. but it's someone that I'm in their contacts and they're in mine already. And when you try to do name drop with a phone like that, it just says you're connected, and that's all it says. And then you hit the little thing that shows up in the dynamic island, and it goes to that contact in your contacts. So you can't see like what does it look like if I name drop someone who doesn't have me in their phone. So I probably need to like wipe an iPhone and try the name drop again. But there is a little like I next to your phone number that yeah. shows like what you're about to share. 
I don't think it lets you pick and choose. No, 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 no. Because I tried it one time, I think, and it did not show me like I don't I don't think so. I could be wrong. It's so hard to like this needs to just be a pain in the settings app. Like name drop. What do you want to share? So this is this is something Apple needs to Sherlock. Uh so Card Hop by Fantastic Cal, uh Flexibits, Fantastic Cow People. Yep. Card Hop lets you create a custom business card that actually right. generates a QR code and you can like have people scan that QR code and it sends them the V card of just that information. Right. That that's all we need. Like we just need some kind of like, this is my um, name drop card. You know, again, I, something in my head's telling me like, this is a thing you can do. I don't know where it is. I'm going to have to find it, but I'm fairly certain you can choose what goes over. And once you do it, that preference is saved, but I, okay. it's, it's lost in my brain somewhere. I'll have to go find it. But um, yeah, yeah I, I, I just find it a fascinating feature. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with contacts, but again, like I, <laughs> I still feel like it, like I, it, it's no lie. It, it's the brains of your phone. And the more information you can put in there, the more information you can have about other people, the more it informs other apps like photos right. and calendars. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so I judge, I just find it super important and for it to be so janky at times, I, I, it, it makes me feel sad because it has so much potential. It's the one before we got to customization of lock screens and home screens and stuff. It was truly the one place you could actually customize your phone, how Siri interacted yes. with you, how everything worked together. And that still seems to be the case for this kind of information, but it's just lacking an execution. Right. Like keep keep going forward. Do not walk it back. Like please, Apple, <laughs> right. just keep going. This episode is brought to you by Masterclass. You've probably been in a situation like this. Maybe it's with a supervisor or a boss. Maybe you're trying to negotiate for a higher pay. And a lot of times it's hard to navigate that conversation. You want to do Jedi mind tricks, but obviously you don't know any of those. Well, some of the things that I've learned from Chris Voss, who wrote the book, Never Split the Difference, but has an incredible class on Masterclass actually gives you practical steps to actually use in conversation. You're not tricking, you're not manipulating, but you're actually able to get what the other person is thinking out of them and you can actually have a more productive and useful conversation. It's great in business. If you have client work and you're a freelancer, he just teaches some incredible tools to help you in those business conversations and just in any conversation in life. And honestly, it feels like masterclass instructors are your own personal mentors. They're going to help you reach the next level in whatever you'd like to do. Masterclass has over 180 classes to pick from and new classes are added every month. I really enjoy music and creativity with Yo-Yo Ma. You can learn about acting from Samuel L. Jackson. I love hearing Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about astrophysics. And if you're really into space like me, astronaut Chris Hatfield is also on Masterclass. I love Masterclass too because you can watch it on any platform. There's an app for your iPhone, your iPad, your Apple TV, or you could just stream it in the web. But if you do it on one of your devices like your iPhone, I love the little toggle. You can go into audio only mode and then you can listen to a Masterclass like it's a podcast. Each lesson is about 10 to 12 minutes long, so it's great to do either on a lunch break or you can binge an entire class over the weekend and learn something new. So boost your confidence and find practical takeaways you can apply to your life and at work. And if you own a business or you're a team leader, use Masterclass to empower and create future-ready employees and leaders. And right now, listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash Apple Insider. So get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash Apple Insider. That link is in the show notes. You can just click it there. Masterclass.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to Masterclass for sponsoring this episode and our friends at ZocDoc. 
Guys, if you've listened to this episode for more than a week, you've probably heard me talk about ZocDoc because I just love it. Whenever I need to make a doctor's appointment, I don't even think about searching on the internet. I go straight to the ZocDoc app because they know my insurance provider, my insurance plan, and I can search for specialists that are patient-reviewed. I can see what other people, real human beings, actually think about these doctors. And then I can make an in-person appointment or virtual appointment right there from the iPhone app. I didn't have to talk to anyone on the phone. My insurance information is already there, so I don't have to wonder if this doctor takes my insurance. It's so easy. So if you've ever been on the hunt for a new doctor and you ask literally everyone you know for their recommendations, you're still probably not going to get someone who takes your insurance or that's really going to serve you well. ZocDoc is a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. I just love that part. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed doctors and specialists. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat almost any condition you're searching for. And the average wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 and 48 hours. Now, I know they say 24 to 48, and that's the safe assumption, but I will say I've actually gotten up early in the morning, I've not felt well, and I've been able to get an appointment same day virtually. They'll put in the prescription, and I was able to pick it up by lunchtime on the same day. It's amazing. I've even made appointments for my kids. You can filter by doctors who are pediatricians and will see kids either virtually or in person. It's just so powerful. So go to ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider and download the ZocDoc app for free. Yes, you can go to the App Store and just search for it. But if you go to that link, they'll know you heard about ZocDoc from the Apple Insider podcast. And you can find and book a top rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Apple Insider, ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider. That link is also in the show notes. You can click it there. Our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. I do want to mention, though, the other feature that's kind of a part of this is the ability to airdrop something by just holding the two phones close to each other. And there have been a couple times where I go to airdrop a photo or something to someone and airdrop like they're not showing up an airdrop as I'm sure anyone has probably experienced this, like they're just not showing up. They have everyone turned on. Maybe you're not in their contacts. It's just this, like, can't make it work. But if I have that image or file open on my phone, right. I've held my iPhone near theirs. And then all of a sudden the airdrop thing appears and I can send this file over, even though they didn't appear in the airdrop menu before, because I'm holding the phones together, it will send it. And that has actually worked and has been useful multiple times. So intuitively unintuitive, I believe you have to be viewing the item. It's, yes. You're not necessarily in the share sheet, right? You're Correct. just looking at the object, a photo, the photo, the file, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then just bring the phone close and automatically starts this That's versus correct. I think name drop is just your phone is locked and you bring your phones close together. They can be unlocked uh, too. Well, you know what I mean? You're like just on your on lock screen, screen or yeah, home yeah, yeah. screen, like not within an app because once you're in the app, it's kind of like looking for something to send like a link. Like if you're in Safari, I believe it'll airdrop a link to somebody. It'll drop the website you're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting stuff. The tips app has actually been quite useful i'm gonna go poke around in there because apple actually puts documentation <laughs> in there um it's like the one place in the, in the world where they actually document things anyway moving on from those fancy features uh yes. have you made any iMessage stickers no i don't touch stickers oh come on they're fun I do no i have i've already done like all the animals and and their various positions uh wow. for just 
for reaction stickers. Just every time like we're talking and I'm like, I need this, I'll go find a picture of a pet. Okay. Uh, Cause for some reason, animals are really just predisposed to this. If you know people, I don't, I don't have a lot of like meme images in my library, but people who have like random memes, like uh, the, 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 this is fine dog and stuff like that. You can, oh, it's right. looking for subjects and it's pulling those. It, it, you could go just grab a picture of an anime character or a Pokemon and turn it into an iMessage sticker. Like okay. it's def- it, it, like, and what's cool about this is once you've done it, uh, any kind of sticker um, from your custom stickers, or I've been using the very necessary emojis um, app. I use that. Anytime you use anything from stickers, they show up in the emoji drawer. Uh, and so you don't have to go, all the way to the stickers. You don't even have to open the iMessage app tray. You can just be typing text, open the emoji drawer, and the left side is your previously used stickers um, from any of your apps. So it's definitely just, again, just another little form of customization, and you can you can really go crazy with it. Uh, so I recommend everyone go check that out. Yeah, that's cool. Shared passwords in iOS 17 and Mac West Sonoma, 100%. I've been using those a ton because I have my spouse and my three kids are actually on our iCloud family. And I've created multiple groups between me, my spouse, and my kids, and then me and just my spouse. And I'm basically slowly but surely transitioning from one password to iCloud Keychain. And I have to say, these shared groups in iCloud Passwords is pretty amazing and works extremely fast. My son was trying to log into, I think, an Xbox account or a Microsoft account. He didn't have the login saved in his iCloud Passwords yet. It was in his one password, but I was like, let me see how fast this will go. And I added the login to the group between me and him. And literally in seconds, the little autofill thing, he never even left the website for on his phone. Like the autofill thing just appeared with the login uh, because I had just added it to the group and he's able to log in. And so shared passwords and iOS 17, macOS Sonoma, two thumbs up. It's great. I still really will. I really, really want additional kinds of items in iCloud passwords. So then I could really move away from one password. Those being like bank accounts, things like password numbers. There's just no easy way to do it. And I tried it with a bank account because I was like, let me just see if I can put this in here. And the problem is it requires you to put in a website URL. So I basically just put my bank website URL, but then that additional autofill option appears every time I try to log into my bank. And like, I don't want to put some random website in there. Like I want to be able to search for it by the name or whatever. So it's, and you have to put a username and password and the password is like hash. Like it's annoying. I want more item types in the iCloud passwords. That's all. But the groups are great. I wonder how this is going to work with pass keys. Cause I don't think I've had an opportunity to see a pass key like shared uh, through the system. I could tell you right now. Cause it's, it's, they're becoming more uh, like accessible and uh, available across different platforms. Google even offers pass key. Now um, I, I want everything to be a pass key. I'm, I'm yes. one of those people. I, I just want to get rid of all passwords, everything be a pass key. Um, it's the future. Get over it. Let's go. Um, I can actually, I have a pass key on my main Google account. I'm looking at it right now in the iCloud passwords and I can move this to a group so someone else could share it and I assume log in to my account this way so it seems like I'm not going to but it seems like it's possible which yeah that does raise a question I'm not sure like biometrically if it would take their face like for face ID to because yeah it's just looking for that second factor and a token and the tokens part of the keychain and the keychain stored in your secure element and yada yada and the neck bones connected to the <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so so I believe because they're they're technically 
have ownership of the pass key that their biometrics will unlock it. I'm right. again, I'm not 100%. I haven't had opportunity to test that, but um I think the whole thing is very interesting. I like how far passwords have come in just like 2 years and I know Apple's avoiding having a dedicated app especially as pass keys and stuff come along, but I feel like it's an inevitability as people are screaming for it on the internet. I I've been actually tinkering around with the idea of just having groups with only me in it uh, just so I can categorize passwords and have them sorted. Let, let's make this as granular and crazy as possible. Uh, let let nerds like us play around with it. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. And daily crosswords. Have you been uh, ha- have you been using the news app to go do your daily crossword? I want to talk about the news app before it gets too long here. <laughs> but I will say I already do the New York Times games, both uh, Wordle and Connections every day. I do those every day, me and my entire family, and we have a group of friends that we all do it every day. We do the share thing and it's, you know, minor competition. It's a fun way to just stay connected. So I already do two games a day, which sometimes connections can be very time consuming if you're trying to do it. You know, no hints, no nothing. I did try the crosswords though, and they're pretty great. They're pretty great. They're pretty great. I like, there's a small crossword that you can basically try to race to finish and basically compete on how quickly you do it. Yeah, like and that, 50 seconds or so. Yeah, you could do it like in yeah. under a minute. And then I did I did the big crossword one time and I was like, I really enjoy this. They're I love doing it. Very time consuming. You I have cannot. to be a crossword person. You have to really <laughs> Yeah. I, I can't like, do it every day. It's like 30 minutes maybe if you, if it's a really tough one. I've I've noticed the challenging ones cuz they get it's just like the newspaper. They get harder as the week goes on. Oh. So like yeah, the you're if you if you didn't know in a newspaper if you know back in the old day people would get these pieces of paper delivered to their doorstep <laughs> and they would take it inside Wait and a use a pen to Hold fill out on. a crossword and <laughs> once you wrote on the crossword it was actually permanent because you're using a pen. It was the real challenge. Wow. Uh, if you flip the uh, newspaper upside down, it would tell you the answers. Um, so, w- <laughs> That's so true. In, new- in print, um, Monday to Friday, Monday would be the easiest, Friday would be the hardest. Okay. And uh, so Apple's following the same basic thing. It gets really difficult. <laughs> like once we hit about Thursday, I'm like, man, it's going to take me an hour to do this puzzle. Yes, I, yes. I, I'm, I'm using, I'm just using the fill in, like tell me this answer. I just don't even know. <laughs> I do like that you can, so if you're doing the big crossword, you could say, show me where I've made a mistake and it will tell you if there's any words that you've put in the crossword that's right. That's incorrect. So that's great. And then I think you can also ask it for an answer. Like you could just say, give me this one word answer and let me keep going. Yeah. Or show the whole puzzle and just give up. <laughs> Well, you can, you can do, you can do that too, but I, it is something that I will return to the mini crossword. I think I'll do more often. The yes. big one might be like maybe a weekend challenge or something. That's, that's the uh, recommendation for me is, you know, don't get intimidated by the big crossword. Go play with the small ones. They're fun. Yeah. Which it is an ideal game to play on an iPad mini, which I just want to throw in here that we're rumored to get OLED on the iPad mini and iPad air. Exciting. I'm holding out that we will see a new iPad mini before the year is up. I feel like a press release might be coming. I don't think there's going to be another event. Apple didn't announce any event for October. I think it's getting a little late. Uh, you know, if, if they were going to announce an event, it would have to be announced next week. And then it would be the final week of October or maybe, yeah, like the 31st, which Apple's not going to do something on Halloween. And so and November is pretty late. Apple's done November events. That was the M1 Mac mini MacBook Pro event. But I don't, I don't think we're going to see an event, but I think we might see a press release with an iPad mini. What do you think? Uh, no, um, we're not getting any iPads this year. Um, every time, if, Wes, every time yeah. I'm like, are we going to see it? You say no, no, no. Um, 
sad. The earliest we're going to... It's so difficult because Apple needs to release iPads, and there's a chance they could be like, here's a 10.9 inch, because they do update that every year, but that's for students, and it's already October. I, It's a very weird year for iPad, because this might it be is. the first calendar year ever in the history of iPad that we do not get a new one. I would expect at the earliest, and again, I could be wrong, but it just seems all signs are pointing to spring, we're going to get several things refreshed. We're going to see the uh, standard iPad, iPad mini, iPad air, and then possibly like literally the whole lineup. Just, I don't know if they're going to do it all at once. They could just be like in March, we're doing an iPad only event. Here's here's all the iPads. Here's six iPads and an Apple pencil. Did you see the rumor about there being two iPad air sizes? I did. I did. That that would be interesting. So there's some discussion some internal debates here on what how true this rumor might be um and like whether there's room in the ladder for a larger ipad air and i would argue a 12.9 inch ipad air taking over from the ipad pro makes 100 percent sense it wouldn't have promotion it probably wouldn't have a uh, mini led right it would it, so we'd pretty much be saying here's a gen 4 12.9 inch ipad pro but it's only 800 dollars and right and uh, that way, if you don't want all the pro features, you don't have to spend $1,200 to get it. You can get the larger iPad display under a thousand bucks. There you go. And then Apple could sell its 12.9 inch magic keyboard for $350 to a whole <sighs> new segment of the Good user Lord. base. Be- because the reason why it's important that that size lives on is because the 12.9 inch iPad pro is going away. I, apparently we're getting a larger one. We don't know how big it could be between 13 and 15 inches. No, I don't um, want a 15 inch iPad. I want whatever the biggest one they can give me. I know, but you're, you're 27 inch iPad guys. pro <laughs> next to my studio display. Um, wow. But it will be a different aspect ratio. <laughs> You've got a square screen over here, 27 inch. Then you got God, that would be awful. Yeah, be no, the size of a newspaper, Steven. Yeah. I'm excited for the future of iPad but we all need to kind of collectively hold our breath. I don't, we'll see. It, it would yeah. be very surprising if we get if, if tomorrow, uh, the, as we record on Thursday, Friday morning, 8 a.m., Apple comes out with six new iPads. <laughs> I will eat my shoe, but I, I'm fairly certain that we're good on iPads for now. It would, okay. it's, it, I, I, I hate that it's going a whole year. It is a little, uh, but a bit of sad news, but also M2 iPad pros, good enough m1 oh, ipad amazing. air good enough yeah ipad mini still a powerhouse of a computer i'm not i'm not seeing any this thing sweat anything yet so we'll see what happens next yeah, it's not sweating it, anything except for that weather widget which still has overlapping clouds oh, Lord. <laughs> for, for the week forecast but anyway very very quickly i just want to mention kind of going back to ios 17 when it comes to interactive widgets this was a big feature this year and i have actually been using multiple and really love it the reminders and things widgets lets you check off things from the widget. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. I, I use it all the time. I have both of them in a widget stack. I use both of those apps for differing tasks. I use reminders more for like personal family home tasks. And I use things more for work tasks. And I, I like that duality of, of task managers, keeping them separate. Also because neither of them have the feature where like, I don't want to see a task until it is due. <laughs> like I, like, if it's Tuesday, Tuesday is the day where we put the garbage out on the street. I have a task for that recurring every Tuesday, and mm-hmm. I don't want to see that task until like 6 p.m. because I'm not going to do it till then, and I don't want it yeah. in my like cognitive load 
for the rest of the day. And so I have reminders that are once every three months. And when I check it off and it appears immediately, immediately again, saying, after in, in three months, you have to do this. I'm like, great. Thanks. Reminders. You really, you're really and helping I know me. I hear the voice of William in my head. Yes. OmniFocus does this where you can not see a task until oh. the time it is to do it. I'm not using OmniFocus for my trash task. Okay. OmniFocus is the task manager for someone who likes rebuilding an engine for a car. They're never going to drive. <laughs> like it's just, yes. there's too much. There's too much. Only people who read scripts and not watch the TV shows. That's oh, who OmniFocus is. Razzing on William. That's no, right. I, I, me personally, I, I don't like having seven different calendars and reminders apps. Um, I've just been sticking with Apple reminders and the new like Kanban view and everything has been really nice. Like I'm, and the, and now that it's on a widget, that's, that's really cool. It's great iPad widgets being able to be 50 of them on a screen and just one of them be the reminders widget like (laughs) that. Like there's a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff here. I think the next step for Apple is, uh, create a home screen for the external display when you're using stage manager to connect sure. an iPad pro to an external display. Cause right now it's nothing. It's an empty space. It would be cool to have like a 27 inch view of just a bunch of widgets on as a home screen. That would be fun. Yeah. Um, but so how many widgets do you have on your, do you have a single home screen or multiple home screens? I have a single home screen. That's how I do. And I have two widget stacks on my home screen. One is a kind of long widget stack at the very top where I have weather, fantastical, deliveries and the new context widget which i really like oh man. A, yeah another, context widget i've been going to yeah, people's so phones and just adding the long ways context widget to all their phones so good and then a smaller square widget which is like the two by two i have apple podcasts in a stack with things reminders and any list which is grocery meal planning app and i love all of those again the reminders and things i can just check things off swipe down in the stack and do it I just want to mention the Fantastical widget. I absolutely love Fantastical. It's my main calendar app. And they've made the interactive widget. The one I use is the long one. So it's like the eight app space widget, the long one. Sure. And I use the one where I see the full calendar month view on the left half of the widget and then my upcoming events on the right half. And I love that because I could see the month at a glance. So if I'm trying to plan an event or someone's asking me about a date, I can see that plus my upcoming events. And they've made the widget interactive. So when you tap the widget in the month view, if you tap a date, it'll actually go to that date on the right half of the widget and show you the events for that date, which the functionality of that is great. I do love that. But how I typically used it was I launched Fantastical by tapping the widget before iOS 17. Like I don't have the Fantastical app on my home screen because I have a widget. And so I just want to tap the widget to go to the Uh, app. And now I can't really tap the left side of the widget because that just changes the day that I'm looking at. And if I tap the right side of the widget, I usually have an event in that listing and it goes to that specific event rather than just launching the app on the main app screen. So what I basically have to do is like tap in the very small area in like the bottom of the widget that is neither an event nor a date. And if I can aim just right, I can open the app without actually going to a specific date or opening a specific event. And so I kind of wish uh, there was like an option to say, maybe there is, I'll have to look, like don't make it interactive. Like just let me tap the widget and let me open the app just because that's how my habits were. But it's amazing that they did all that in the interactive widget. I just, I want to be able to launch the app. (laughs) 
Early days for interactive widgets. We'll see what yes. developers come up with. There's a lot of innovation out there. Uh, Pixel Pals, absolute must. Go oh. get it. Feed your little Pixel friend. Make add add friends. Have them come visit you. Have a picnic. It's a lot of fun. It was. It's made by the guy who made Apollo Reddit. Uh, is his name yes, uh, Christian right. Selig? Excellent app. Very cute. Go go check it out. Uh, that's definitely on my home screen. I have no icons on my home screen other than the dock. Whoa. All widgets. Two long widgets, two small widgets. Um, 26 total widgets <laughs> if you if you count everything in the stacks. Can you, if you if you feel comfortable, please send me a screenshot of your home screen so we can keep it put it as the chapter art. Yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll, I'll make it a usable screenshot. <laughs> okay, very good. Yeah, yeah, please do. No, don't dox yourself. We actually have a little bit of a longer episode for our paid subscribers. Either you support the show in Apple Podcast or at patreon.com slash Apple Insider. You can actually get a longer version of today's show. We talked a little bit more about Apple News, X, and Threads. If you are interested in that, again, you can support the show. Not only do you get the ad-free version and early access, but today you get more of an episode. And if you'd like us to do more of that, let us know. You can reach out to Wes and I. All of our social handles are in the show notes. And thank you to our wonderful sponsors this week, Notion AI, Masterclass, and ZocDoc. And thank you to our supporters who support the show directly by subscribing. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.